0: Well, hi folks. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors bringing you the Noble Man podcast episode 14. And so this this week we've been talking about the noble man reads and studies the Bible. That's been our focus. I'm really excited we did our quick question survey this week related to we had one question, have you read the Bible today? We had well over 200 re- responses to that question. And I was encouraged that over 83% of the respondents said, yes, I've read the Bible today. And so that, I thought, was encouraging. And then 150 of those respondents told us what they were reading that particular day. Uh, And so it encourages me that men in the Noble Warriors audience are reading the Bible. They're engaging the Word. Now, I have to tell you that the thought comes to mind as I process that, Yes, we're reading, but are we putting it into practice? And that's one of my very own challenges. As a a matter of fact, I, I find myself as a ministry leader and a teacher and a father often reading the Word and asking myself, okay, how does this apply to someone else's life? And really, I have to step back and ask myself more purposefully, how does this speak to my life? What is God teaching me? in what I'm reading in His Word today. And so, guys, I would just say that we have to continue to submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture. It's an ongoing process. It's a developmental process. And I don't think we'll ever be finished with it. So our, our podcast today, our title is The Nobleman Reads and Studies the Bible. We could have taken a lot of different avenues with this. But what I want to talk about today, what I what I decided to do, instead of teaching you or walking through a particular method of studying the Bible, I want to walk through a topical Bible study. and I'm gonna do something that's very timely. Honestly, I'm a little nervous about it because uh, the 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 tension in our culture around race right now is so great. That I'm I'm fearful I'm going to say something unintentionally in offensive. So please understand that is not my goal to offend. My Mike Young's goal. Now the Lord may seek to offend you with the Scripture, and He does me. So that's that's uh. It, it, if your heart gets pricked, um, it, it's um. It, just know that you are not alone. I've been wrestling with some of these things and and uh, just seeking to hear God speak to me through His Word in recent weeks about this issue of racism. So I, I want to I want to go in that direction, but I want to start with this. The mission of Noble Warriors, our stated mission, is that we serve the local church as they equip men to walk with Christ and lead well. And so at the core of every situation, every challenge that I think we face— is this issue of are men walking faithfully with Jesus and leading well? Are they leading themselves well? Are they leading in their classrooms, in their families, in the boardroom, in the in the uh, business environment? Are men walking with Jesus? Is he informing their lives, and are they leading and loving like he does? So we want to help churches achieve that and. So here's the bottom line. I think if we could look around, and if more men were truly walking with Jesus and leading like Him, um, then many of our challenges would go away. And so um, I, I think there's a word there for us. There's a challenge for us. So let me just uh, let me just start with uh, some foundational points. I've got some a couple of pages of notes to walk through here. And uh, so, join me in this. And I and I've point number one that we're going to hit today is this: the Bible is sufficient to speak to every situation. I believe the Bible is inspired of God. It's inerrant. It's authoritative, and it is sufficient. So, I, I want to to read a couple of passages to you. Hebrews 4, 12 through thirteen says, "For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword." piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. wow so the scripture uh, the the author of Hebrews here tells us that the the Word of God is living and active it speaks to it speaks to us now it is helpful and it brings hope it also will cut it will uh, divide the the issues that need to be divided. So the word is sufficient. I'll give you one more related to this. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, the Scripture is the foundational point. It is where we need to start and it is sufficient to help us answer our questions now there are many other scriptures so you you may reply in the comments if you'd like that have you considered this scripture or that scripture i I get that there's a lot more that we could do this is not an exhaustive study but um but bear with me i wanted to set a foundation that the bible is sufficient to speak to our situation even today Number two, we need to view culture through the lens of the Word rather than viewing the Word through the lens of culture. And I think there is a danger when we say, well, I need to understand what's going on in the world so that I can interpret the Word. Well, I think you need to start with the Word and let the Word inform what we're seeing in culture. So let me, um, let me just say this from Isaiah—I'm uh, sorry, from Matthew— Chapter 13, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For his people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your eyes for they hear. Men, I think part of what we need to be doing in these times is asking God to help us see with his eyes and hear with his ears and feel with his heart. Uh, Because if we allow our flesh to rule our lives, to rule our understanding of Scripture, if we allow our flesh to rule our behavior, then we're going to end up in some bad places, I believe. Many of you could uh, tell stories of when your flesh has taken you to bad places, and then from First Chronicles chapter twelve verse thirty-two, this of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There were two hundred chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. I love the idea and the challenge of being men of Issachar, men who understand the times and know what should be done. And guys, I I think too often we become men who understand our perspective and ours alone, and we give comments based solely on that and not founded upon the Word of God. And so I think we have to be careful and make sure, again, I'll go back to this point number two. I said we need to view culture through the lens of the Word rather than viewing the Word through the lens of culture. Then number three, I'll say, you know, before I give you point number three, when I watch the video of that police officer's knee on the neck of George Floyd, and I watched the video of the the two men in the truck pursuing Ahmaud Arbery. Um, I, I I looked at those situations. I said, these are men who carry the image of God, chasing and 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 hunting down or torturing uh, another image bearer. This should not be because. And it grieves us because all humans are made in the image of God. We carry the Imago Dei. That has nothing to do with skin color or ethnicity or socioeconomic status or intellectual capacity. We are made in the image of God, and we should... Be aware of that. We should treat each other as fellow image bearers. Listen to this from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The image of God. Guys, we are blessed to carry the image of God, the Imago Dei. We are unique among creation and creatures because we were made in the very image of God. And we should care for each other and treat each other as fellow image bearers. So that's another foundational point. But then we come to this, point number four, as a foundational consideration, all Capital A, capital L, capital L, humans are broken. All humans are broken and born with a depraved heart. Genesis 1 through 3, I, I, I tell you, I've as I've listened to common commenters, as I've read, as I've listened to messages and been part of webinars in the in the last few weeks, uh, a couple of folks have said you've just got to go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and read the account of the creation of... The fall and the curse, and you have much that you need to understand the brokenness in our culture and and what's going on, the source of it. So, guys, I, I would just say, man, as you're wrestling with this issue of racism, and what does God's word say? Go about it, go back to the very beginning of God's creation and understand that God created with purpose, and then men, man chose sin. And God cursed the ground and cursed the man because of that sin. And so we still live in that shadow today. As a matter of fact, that's Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And then in Genesis 4, we find Cain murdering Abel because of his jealousy. Uh, it says that Cain brought a, a an offering to the Lord from his crops but Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions thereof. And God had regard for Abel's offering, but not for Cain. And so then you have the hostility that develops. And I and I love what, what God says to Cain here. He says, The Lord said to Cain in chapter four, verses six through seven of Genesis, Why are you so angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Its desire is to control you. Men, uh, sin is crouching at our doors. Sin is crouching at our doors, and its desire, Satan's desire, is to rule over us. And even Tony Dungy in his statement talks about how Satan is having a heyday, and he's laughing at us because of the conflict that all of this creates. And I'm not suggesting that we laugh that off. It's very real. I'm suggesting that we must be cautious because sin is crouching at our door. It's crouching at my door, and I have to be cautious and guarded. Now, guys, the next thing I want to say to you is that we do, when we study the Bible, one way to study the Bible is to look for what God says about particular topics. And, and so I have some examples for you that will be familiar. The Crown Financial Ministries focuses on biblical stewardship, and when you talk to Crown representatives, they can tell you how many verses in the Bible refer to stewardship and money. So they, they, they have studied the Bible with, with uh, an eye toward stewardship issues. Ken Blanchard, who wrote the book Lead Like Jesus, studies the Bible with an eye toward leadership. Fellowship Christian athletes study the Bible with an eye toward how can we teach about sports and sportsmanship and athleticism. Uh, if you're into partnership development, uh, we raise support for our ministry, and so there are times when I read the Bible, and I'm asking myself, how is God funding ministry, and what can I learn from it? I do men's ministry, and so I often read the Bible and ask, what does God have to say to men in this particular text, and, and how is he informing me as a man? So I'm looking and reading the Bible with the, with the idea in mind, the question in mind of how is the Bible speaking to men's discipleship issues? So I've, I'm focused on the topic there, and I think we can read the Bible. I know we can. I'm I'm learning about this. We can read the Bible, asking ourselves, God, what are you saying? What do you have to say to us right now? To me right now? To us as a culture? To me as an individual about racial justice and your and your disdain for the the um. Created barriers that we make, the the um, the barriers that we make between individual and fellow image bearers. So, what what do you have to say to us about those things in Scripture? And guys, again, this is not exhaustive, but in my in my studies over the last couple of weeks and my conversations. I've been reminded that the Bible says much about racial justice, and um and and in, and in, in speaks frequently to equality and the value of human life. And again, we're not going to hit all of these, but I'm going to hit some of them just very briefly that will give you some perspective. They've been a blessing to me. Number one, I want to hit, which I I had never thought of this, but there is a, there's a passage in Numbers 12 where Moses actually marries a Cushite woman, and Aaron and Miriam re- react to this negatively. They reject this marriage. They speak against it. Well, I didn't understand that Cush is in the land, as I understand it. I think I'm speaking correctly. is is uh, a part of Africa, and um, so this woman was probably dark skinned, Ethiopian, maybe. and And so Miriam and Aaron made a big stink out of the fact that Moses married a dark skinned woman. And do you know that Mo uh, that Aaron and Miriam were called to account by God? Actually, Miriam was. Was afflicted with leprosy for seven days because of her um, rejection of this marriage. Found that fascinating. You want to know some more information about that? John Piper wrote an article about this this text and spoke about interracial marriage. Fantastic um, article to read, and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes. But guys, I I had never picked up that that is a story about racism and how God views. People as individuals and not as separated entities. There are ethnic groups, and I get that, but but no one should be should be set apart because of skin color. Uh, item B here: many scholars agree that the first Gentile convert was likely a dark-skinned man from Ethiopia. Fascinating. We read the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, but have you ever stopped to think that Ethiopia, Af- part of the African continent, this was likely a dark-skinned man? Philip ran along beside his chariot. Philip, under the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, shared the gospel with this man. They saw water. He The, the, the man was reading from the scroll of Isaiah, if you recall this story. And, and so Philip explained the gospel to him. And then when they passed some water, he said, here's water. Why should I not be baptized? Philip baptized this man. And many scholars agree that the very first Gentile convert to Christianity was a dark-skinned man from Ethiopia. There's a picture of God's love for the, the breadth of humanity. We need to pay attention to some things like that and let these stories inform us. Here's another that you'll be familiar with. Jesus went out of his way. If you go look at John four, Jesus went out of his way to spend time with folks that others would have considered outcasts simply because of their ethnicity. So we get into the difference. I know there's a difference between ethnos and and race or or skin color. And listen, I'm not a. I, I, I'm probably messing up some technical things. I hope you'll hear my heart here. But John four four. Let me just read that to you here. John four four says this, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Jesus was on a mission. It was the custom of that day that people would do, people of Israel would do everything they could to avoid Samaria. But Jesus had to pass through Samaria because he he was going to have an encounter with someone who was not like him, and share the gospel with her, and ultimately her entire village came to know Christ and follow him, came to came out to hear his story and to receive this living water. I got to imagine that the disciples' heads were spinning at all of this, but this is another example of Christ's, um, Christ's love for the nations, everyone. His love is broad, and it's not it's not set aside for one group or another group, and so I love the story of Jesus' intentionality to go through Samaria, and I'm going to challenge you with a question about that in just a little bit. Here's another um, story that speaks to this issue of the distinctions that we make. Peter would have been reluctant to share the gospels, the gospel with Gentiles, primarily with Cornelius, before he had the vision at Joppa of the of the the. Um, Sheet being let down with the animals on it, and God speaking to him about the the uncleanness, or that there there's nothing unclean for him to kill and eat. So God spoke to Peter and clarified for him that he could go. Um, when when the people from Cornelius, when Cornelius's uh, servants came to to get Peter, Peter was prepared for them because of the message that he had gotten from God. He went and took the message to Cornelius's house and his household was saved, came to follow the Lord. So Peter got a message from God about the diversity of God's love, the breadth of God's love, and the, the, the fact that the gospel is inclusive. So Peter had that experience with Cornelius and his household, but in Galatians chapter 2, we read that Peter struggled with this. Peter was um, an Israelite. He was um, a Jew, and so he had had this experience with the Gentiles, with Cornelius, but he still, when he came back into Jerusalem, he was acting like a Jew, and he was he was creating some turmoil because he no longer was willing to be seen with the Gentiles and to, and to interact with them. So Paul called him out. Paul called him out for the fact that he was being two-faced in all of this. Guys, do you need to be called out because you're two-faced sometimes, like, like Peter was called out by Paul? I think we probably do. I think there's there's something here for us to see about God's love for the diversity of his people, of his creation. No, next one, the Good Samaritan. You know, in Jesus' parable, it what we see here is that the Good Samaritan looked beyond ethnic challenges and cultural differences to truly help someone in need listen a, a priest and a levite those who should have cared the most passed by this injured individual on the street who needed help because they were they needed to get to their meeting or they didn't want to become unclean they they were unwilling to have their lives interrupted to help another carrier of the Imago Day, another human being. They were unwilling to subject themselves, their resources, their time to help someone else. And so Jesus holds holds this up as an example of who is my neighbor. Well your neighbor is the one who needs help. And um so listen, lest we think that we're always the helper, don't forget that in my life especially, I won't use your life as an example, but I will use my life I want to help as many people as I can because there will be a day when I am the one who stands in the need of help. And I'm hopeful that the investments I've made, the relationships I've developed, will produce scenarios where folks will be willing to come and, and be part of my life. So here's, here's uh, some take-homes. When you, when you think about Miriam and Aaron's rejection of Moses' dark-skinned wife, Will you refuse to reject folks who don't look like you? Will you do that? I, I I think there's a challenge for us there when it comes to racism. Are you are you one of the folks that some of my African-American friends will talk about? They're, they're heading towards someone on the street, and someone will change their course so that they don't have to interact with someone who doesn't look like them. Folks, that's another carrier of the the image of God, and so we need to be willing to interact with and be part of the lives of people who don't look like us. Are you willing to do that? Number two, are you willing to engage spiritual conversations with folks who don't look like you? Philip went and shared the gospel, running alongside the chariot, and 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 shared the gospel, um, unpacked the scripture, the scroll from Isaiah. He unpacked scripture and shared the gospel with someone who didn't look like him and then baptized him. My goodness, if you do international missions and you travel the world to be part of bringing the gospel to other cultures, then why are you not willing, why are we not willing to bring the gospel to people who live near us who may have a different ethnicity or different cultures? Man, we should be eager to share the gospel with all types of folks, those who look like us and those who don't. Number three, are you willing to go out of your way to get to know and serve and perhaps even share living water with folks who don't look like you? Jesus had to go through Samaria. Where do you need to go through that most folks in your in your group would not go? Are you willing to go to places where people would not go so that you could be a carrier for the gospel, so that you could share living water? That's what Jesus did in John 4 with the woman at the well. Are you willing to see people as God sees them, all being created in his image with none superior or inferior? That's what the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, taught Peter in this vision um, and at Joppa. And then ultimately he saw the manifestation of that uh, as he went to Cornelius' house. So are you willing to, to be open to to not seeing yourself as superior, but to just recognize that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Are you willing to live and act with integrity? Paul called out Peter. You know, there are way too many of us who would say one thing in front of one group and behave or say something else in front of another group. Are you living with integrity so that your behavior, your words, your comments, your demeanor is the same in front of everyone? Or are you Am I harboring any sort of racial bias or bitterness or, or dissension in my heart so that I act differently with different groups of folks? That's what Peter was called out for by Paul. He was living a double life. And are you willing to invest time, resources, and energy to help others, recognizing that you yourself may someday be in need? That's what the good Samaritan, to love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Well, Your neighbor is the person next to you who needs something. And let, let's never forget that we are called to love on other folks, and there may be a day when we need to have their help as well. So those are some, some passages that uh, kind of bring us to this idea of how God shows us his love for everyone in the Word. And so, guys, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And let me, let me try to finish with just a few things. Here's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said in his book The Cost of Discipleship when Christ calls a man he bids him come and die. And so guys I wonder if this in this issue of racial reconciliation or racial awareness let's let's just go to that point at at here is are you making yourself more aware and are you becoming intentional are you willing to die to yourself and to your biases to your to your comfort areas so that you can be a kingdom-minded carrier of the gospel who's willing to go into other places, other cultures, meet with other people who may not look like you, act like you, speak like you, who may have different priorities than you. Are you willing to die to yourself so that you can be a herald of the gospel in those cases? And also, in saying that, I must I say that we must lay down pride and pick up humility. Guys, there is a pride in our lives that we um, don't want to— Ever have sin pointed out in our lives. I, I get that. I'm struggling partly with this because it's 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 a mirror. As I listen to webinars, as I read, as I study, there's a mirror up in front of my face that says, Hey, you've got some work to do. And so I'm just drawn to Micah 6, 8 that says, We must um, he has told you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Guys, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God so that you may have fellowship, relationship, and even opportunity to share gospel time, uh, to share a meal, to break holy bread with some friends and, and acquaintances who don't look like you? Man, we've got to get over this. As a matter of fact, here's one of of the things that I love. There will be a day, there will be a day when all believers will worship together. And and when we pray, you know, if you say the Lord's Prayer, you know, part of that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. So when you pray that prayer, if you pray it earnestly, what you're asking is for God to give us a taste and a glimpse here on the earth of what heaven will be like. And let me tell you what heaven's going to be like. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. after this, I looked and behold, John says, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Look at this again. A great multitude from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white clo- robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Men, there will be a day when we are gathered around the throne and with one voice, but many different colors of skin, many different ethnicities, many different cultures, many different economic statuses, many different, uh, even intellectual capacities, many different skills and abilities— God has uniquely made each one of us, but he has made all of us in his image. And so we will stand around the throne or kneel around the throne giving praises to the most high God and to his son who he sent to die for us. We will do that together. Guys, it's going to be a beautiful time. And so when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that's what you're praying for. And you're speaking even in that moment against God the racial division that is part of what's going on in our culture right now. And, and folks, I've heard many f- people say that uh, solution to this is not going to come from government. Solution to the challenges that we feel and face right now, the difficulty, the, the turmoil, is going to come from the church. But I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm not sure that the church organized has the capacity to do that in many cases. I think it's the church, the body of believers. It's the body of Christ made up of people who claim the name of Christ and who are willing to sacrifice for him. As a matter of fact, um, a good friend, I was on a webinar this week uh, listening in to some pastors talking about uh, some of these issues. Actually, this was last week. And, and a friend of mine said, at some point, we have to live like Jesus. Everybody wants to live the rex- resurrection, but no one wants to go to the cross. Well, men, I think that part of what we must do is pray that God will take us to the cross and he will remind us of his sacrifice on our behalf and on behalf of every other image bearer whom he desperately wants to know him uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. So let's let's pray for our own humility and learning in this in this time in this season let's search god's word to see what god has to say about his love for the diversity of his creation and let's seek to live and love and lead like jesus uh, again i've got a friend who says let's just do the bible let's just do the bible so guys I don't, I don't know where you are in this but but i pray that god will prick your heart and that you'll be drawn to his word and that as you read and as you study in the coming weeks and days and years, you will see with God's eyes, hear with God's ears, feel with his heart and love like Jesus. That's, that's my prayer for myself, my sons, my daughter, my family, that God would move us to love his creation, his created beings the way that he does. And that out of that, others would be drawn to this love of Christ that they find in us and this unity. John prayed in uh, the high priestly prayer, John 17, for the unity of the church. And, and he said that the others would be drawn to the church because of the unity of believers. And so, God, I, guys, I, I am praying that we would achieve that uh, as best we can with our human limitations. We've got a lot of work to do, but uh, we can all make progress. So let's, let's lean into that. Let's pursue God's Word in His way and His plan. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for Episode 14 of the Nobleman Podcast. We'd love for you to share this um, with friends if it's been beneficial to you. Comment for us if you have any comments. uh, Ask us questions. Uh, Give us a rating if you think uh, this has been a blessing to you. We'll have some additional resources and ideas uh, in the show notes and uh, reference to these these, uh, passages as well. But guys, go out and love someone, serve someone, befriend someone who doesn't look like you. But don't do it for any other reason other than God loved you first through His Son, Jesus. God bless you, man.